Bayheim's army off to a strong start. They didn't just beat Team Gibson on Monday night. They blew them out 99 to 83 in the War Memorial. We're going to talk about what happened in that game. We're going to talk about any of the moments that we witnessed in attendance. Why don't we talk TBT one more episode right here on 44 and more. and more. My name is TJ O'Sullivan. Glad to have you with us. Episode two of the podcast. We are talking once again about TBT. As I mentioned in the intro, Bayheim's army wins 99 to 83 over team Gibson. And to talk about it, you know, I got to bring my, my buddy back DJ Moore. DJ, how are we doing today? We're doing good. We're doing good. Had my first experience podcasting with our previous episode. I was not bad enough to get kicked off. So that's a that's a one notch in the win column. And thankfully, it was not the only notch in the win column. Uh, very happy that Beheim's Army was able to get it done. No, for the time being, you're, you have some job security, which is ironic. Um, but Still unemployed, guys. Please <laughs> Still, give me a It's job. only been two days. You're, you're all right. We'll, we'll make it work. But let's talk about... Before we talk about the actual stats of the game, let's talk about showing up to the War Memorial. Because right off the bat, you and I were both in attendance. Right off the bat, Syracuse was just surrounding us in ways that many people that attended the TBT tournament will not understand. But you and I were passed by a car that was very close. Um... Not very close. I don't. I, I don't know how best to explain this. The point being, that car that we saw, DJ was right next to the car as it passed, and who was in the car? It was Julie Beheim and Jim Beheim as well. Instantly recognized the two of them. Made a joke to TJ as they drove by, and it took about five minutes for him to finally realize that it was those two that actually had just driven by us. Well, okay. So to clear that up. <laughs> He made he made a joke and he was like, "Yo, Jim and Julie, calm down. Like we we're all go, we all going somewhere." And and he goes and and I'm just like thinking that that's the punchline and he for 5 minutes tried to explain to me, "No, that was that was actually Coach Bayheim and his wife." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no, I don't believe it." Um, but yeah, that was a really cool thing right off rip. Uh, then we get inside and we're walking behind this guy and all of a sudden someone stops him to take a picture. <laughs> and it's another member of the family. It's Buddy Bayheim that we said on Monday or excuse me, on Sunday that we were unsure whether or not he was going to be in attendance. Um, breaking news, he was there. <laughs> uh, we saw him. We spoke with him. He said, and I quote, maybe in a couple years. When we asked him if he was going to be suiting up for uh, Bayheim's army. The hope is still on. Let my man live out his, his NBA G League dreams and we will take him on Bayheim's army when he gets his money. Let him go get a bag first. Right. And another group of people that were there, once we got into the arena, sitting behind the um, the stanchion for the basket. It's a good was, word. Yeah, it's, it's the <laughs> correct word. That's why I was looking for it. Um 
Jim Beheim sitting on the far side from where we were sitting, and we realized there are some familiar faces on the near side. Thankfully, I have 2020 vision, which was put to the test as I tried to match names to faces, working my way down the line. The vast majority of the current, uh, so it's what that, 2023, 2024 Syracuse men's basketball team, the vast majority of the team was there. Um, and that's always a good sign. That is That has become an annual routine where pretty much no matter where they're playing at, uh, the boys do a good job of showing out. So it's really, really nice to see that you're getting that current support from the current team. Um, just always, always nice pat on the back, gives them, you know, lets you know that, that vibe, that feeling of orange family, right? Cause I think I saw a tweet, somebody saying how many of those guys sitting in the front row are going to be playing on Bayheim's army within the next couple years. So I, I saw, that interesting I, I saw a tweet by Donna DeToto later. And, uh, a lot of people were saying this is Bayheim's army 2031, <laughs> ha, uh, is. which is wishful thinking. Uh, but one name that we didn't see which we told you was going to be there on Sunday, and it was reported later that night that he was not going to be there, was Tyus Battle. Tyus Battle, originally on Bayheim's Army's roster. I did that again. I did the Bayheim's Army's. Hmm. And I got to stop doing that. He was originally on the roster, and it came out that his contract with his team in China... It ran through September, and the team was not allowing him to play in the TBT. So he unfortunately, it, it was it came out um, by the there was a quote from the GM of Beheim's Army that he really wanted to play uh, and he couldn't. He was devastated, but he gave all of his support. Um, so unfortunately, Tyus Battle not on the team. Not we we were thinking he was probably going to be in the starting rotation. He wasn't even on the bench. So, then we see the GM of the opposing team, Team Gibson, who we said was Taj Gibson. He was in attendance. He was on the bench as an extra, extra set of hands. So, just to, we we tell we tell you all of this because not only was there a whole bunch of basketball royalty, but Syracuse was buzzing. There were a lot of people in that building that were ready for some summer hoops. For a first round game as well, I'd like to point out, you know, we still have hopefully multiple more opportunities, but we got at least one more coming up. Um, it is nice. Listen, Syracuse is a basketball city. I do like to point out, and it's in the rafters floating up there, right? Syracuse as a city does have an NBA championship. The Syracuse Nationals, I'm pretty sure that was before the NBA-ABA merger, um, but they won an NBA championship in that building. So we are a basketball city through and through. You give the fans an opportunity to go watch some hoop in the month of July, people are going to show out. Um, and one really nice thing that, that I would love to point out, and it's just something that touches my heart. It's super, super nice and fun to hear. Um, the let's go orange chance, right? Coming probably the third or fourth quarter later in the game. Um, I'm pretty sure that's been, a, again, an, an annual routine that happens. Uh, even though it's Bayheim's army, they're wearing the colors. They got Bayheim on the chest. So the let's go orange chant, right? Brings a little bit of, brings some tears to my eyes. Well, and also, you know, you talk about game day traditions. How about the standing clap? For the first bucket of the half. Maintains. Yeah. Maintains. You it's, have to keep it just, doing it. It, I think it speaks to the fan base, you know, really showing out for your team, no matter what time of the year it is or what roster's on the floor, you're going to rep Syracuse and you've got your communities back. 
on the on the Siena court. I always, I definitely want to make sure we point that out. That's definitely true. Yeah, and I I did see some people were actually confused watching the game on TV because before they had panned out to the War Memorial and shown what the building that it was in, everybody's like, why why are they playing this game out in Albany right now? So apparently the the SU court and the Moyne court were not made available for the tournament, so we had to rent from Albany out and get from Siena College. It was strange. I will I will be the first person to say it was strange. Because not only was it the Sienna Court, but it was a custom Sienna Court that had the TBT logo in it. Oh. So it's like, if you put that much effort in, you couldn't get like a generic court that said you were in Syracuse. We, we, we're shouting out a college that's how far away? Like hours. Uh, hours, yeah. Hours. So, I mean, nothing against Sienna, but I'm just saying it, it was confusing to walk in, looking at the crowd, seeing a a, a, a sea of orange <laughs> and then the court is green and white that was weird to me but anyway let's talk about the game itself we've both got the box score uh but we don't need to tell you much about how the game went the first couple minutes Bayheim's army it's it's a rough start it doesn't look good it's it's worrisome the uh, the run that Team Gibson went on they they went on a ten to two run to start the game so once they call that first timeout Bayheim's Army once Bayheim's Army calls that first timeout they go on a thirty to twelve run to take the lead and they never looked back it was bad they that lead just kept climbing throughout the course of the game we don't have to go into detail of like what happened when, but, you know, just know that it started rough, but it was only rough for about four minutes. And then it was all cues. Um, so let's talk about some of the, well, first of all, do you have any comments on, on, on the way that that game started and how it finished? Well, I think it kind of speaks to the general vibe we get, especially in that opening round of TBT, right? What did we say in the last episode? Those first couple minutes are a feeling out process. Um, One thing that I I really love to see um, is this idea that that Bayheim's army came out, they got smacked in the mouth, right? Just like we said, the first couple minutes were not going really great. However, it's the response. And when we're talking about a group of guys that have not played much basketball together, uh, we have a handful of our Syracuse guys. We have some outside ringers that we brought in. For a group of guys that have not played that much basketball together, to be able to buckle down and have that sort of response to that situation, I think speaks a lot to um, just the the leadership that's around that team uh, and the actual individuals that are making up, you know, Bayheim's army this year. You love to see that ability for them to respond. And that response, we were talking off mic uh, about what we each thought led to the win last night. I think it was a direct correlation to a guy that we didn't even think was going to be an impact player in this game, Our but he bad. ended up being he ended up being one of the top scorers for Bayheim's Army, uh, tied for the top scorer uh, Grant Riller. He ended up with twenty points on seven for eleven shooting, or excuse me, eight for thirteen from the field. Uh, he had a a three point shot, but like he was that guy that provided that spark. He attacked the basket really well. He had the ability to expand and hit some mid-range shots, hit a three, as I said. He was the reason that Bayheim's army kind of got their you-know-what together. Because I'm not going to square. We're family friendly. But um, 
Grant Riller was a huge part of that game. Absolutely. You know, some high intensity, like you said, the high energy, high intensity guy. Um, being able to step up, he finished with a couple of steals, right? He was disruptive on the defensive end, turning that into easy buckets on the opposite end. And speaking of buckets, that man is a walking bucket. All right. Whether or not he's going to, you know, hit that step back in your face or he's going to actually take it all the way to the rack. Um, every single time he had the ball in his hands, I was feeling good. I was feeling confident. So, again, it's nice to see these individuals step forward in that first game, make some high impact plays. Um, and yeah, Riller absolutely stood out with that one. Well, talking about standing out, there was you, you had a you had a term last episode, certified bucket getter, hmm. and there's one of those on uh, Bayheim's army at least for game one. Andrew White the third, he was the other twenty point scorer. But let me tell you the the fashion in which he did it, just about fifteen minutes. Okay, so that is under half of the game that's less than a half of play but he ends up with 20 points he shoots 88.9 from the field that's eight for nine and four of those shots were threes so 12 points from behind the arc the other eight coming off of perfect shooting from the field i mean an incredible performance I, I, there's nothing else to say. He, he was on fire. On a night that Bayheim's only, only shot 28% from the three as well. Uh, so n- not only did he have that outstanding performance, but it, it was pretty needed, to be honest. Uh, we put up 60 points for points in the paint, things that you love to see, right? Get the ball to the big guys down low, let him go to work. Shout out Rakeem Christmas. We'll talk yeah. to him in a couple minutes. Okay. Um, however, right, the rest of the shooting from the team was not looking all that great. So to see Andrew White step up, hit shot after shot after shot, give us that outlet on the three-point line was exactly what was needed so again high impact guys making high impact plays at the right time is what led to that win yeah and you talk about you know well needed and and they were timely threes because basketball is a game of runs we all know that but it just seemed like when when Bayheim's army wasn't on a run they were ice cold they they were it, it was either Everything was falling or nothing was falling. And and that's how it was the entire game. Um, thankfully for Bayheim's Army, they were hitting more than they weren't. But especially towards the end, when we got to the Elam ending, it took a very long time to get those eight points up. And it's tough to see. Because you you went into the Elam, and I'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but we went into the Elam ending. I believe Team Gibson was chasing 32. And they ended up losing by 16. Mm-hmm. They cut it in half. So that's definitely something to keep your eye on for future games is the fact that some of these threes that they're taking, they're not needed. They are... You know, yes, you're catching it in rhythm. Yes, they're leaving you open because Team Gibson struggled defensively. But that's not what you need. I mean, Rakeem Christmas, we'll talk about him now. Um, he only played 10 minutes, but he had 11 points, all of them in the paint. He was 5 for 6 shooting. And when he wanted to score, it seemed like there was no one on the court that could stop him from doing so. Absolutely. He became dominant, right? Those couple of minutes, he absolutely took over the game. Winning those battles down low is exactly what you're looking. That's that's the role that he was brought in to fulfill. And for the minutes that he got, I think he was doing it absolutely perfectly. 
Yeah, and I think that he deserves more minutes. But, I mean, any minutes that he put on the court from what it looks like, any minutes that you're going to see from Rakeem Christmas for the rest of this tournament, they're going to be productive minutes. They're going to be minutes where he just dominates the glass and, you know, on the attempts in the post where he's not taking a shot, he's kicking it out. And I believe that he he had... Um, He did have two assists. I want to say that at least one of them, maybe both of them, went to DeAndre, uh, not DeAndre Kane, uh, to Andrew White the third. Mm. So he's feeding your top scorer. He has that wherewithal that's like, you know, yes, I'm dominating, but I can use that to the team's benefit. I can draw the defenders in and leave my shooters open from the perimeter. Absolutely. You know, from your big man, that's the exact thing that you're looking for him to fulfill. Um, I love the fact that you, you did bring up that DeAndre Kane, Rakeem Christmas duo, right? That combo. The couple of minutes where Rock was putting a couple buckets in, right? I know two of DeAndre Kane's assists were a pick and roll where uh, uh, Christmas was able to roll, turn around, get to the basket, and Kane was giving them that ball in a perfect spot time after time. So that's going to be an interesting duo to watch when they're on the court. Right. For that, was, that was what I was confused about. Why? That's why his name came up because it was, <laughs> it was the other way around. It was actually... Uh, Andrew White the third benefiting from Rock, and then Raheem Christmas was benefiting from DeAndre Kane, which also goes into the fact that like this team does share the ball. Syracuse is notorious for pumping out prospects that play really well together. I mean, like the, think about a program that is famous for the two-three zone. You cannot be successful at any level with the 2-3 zone without having incredible communication and without knowing your teammates like the back of your hand. And I think that that just speaks to this team's ability years after putting on the orange jersey to still have that, you know, I connect really well with my teammates mentality and it showed. Let's talk about P.J. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how can you not? I think it's the number six play of the day. Within uh, within today. about three seconds after that dunk going in, TJ did turn to me and goes, well, "We'll see that on Sports Center tomorrow." And that's always fun. Anytime that you see your hometown team, you know, you know when a guy makes a play and you turn to your buddy and you say, "Yeah, we're about to see that tomorrow." Uh, it's always to get that nice pat on the back to know that you called that one right is always fun. Yeah, like I said, number six. I definitely said that was the top play of the day. I didn't think that there was going to be anything in July that could beat that, <laughs> but apparently five plays did. Nonetheless, it was a crazy dunk because what SportsCenter didn't show was the fact that leading up to that dunk, um, BJ Johnson got really upset with a no call. He was, and, and there were some jawing out on the court, you know, tensions were high and it seemed like at will, like he just flipped a switch. And he was like, oh, okay, let me take matters into my own hands and put these guys on a poster. And that was exactly what happened. It, it was one of the craziest sequences I've ever seen. And we were person. about three inches short of seeing an even better dunk had he gotten that one-handed alley-oop thrown down. I think that was the, very the next, next play. Was it the next one? I the knew it was The very right next play, it. It, was a pat, it was a steal off the dribble, two-on-one fast break. Somebody and he tried, he tried to do like a Blake Griffin one hand snatch back in full motion. Like it, it just didn't pan out. But the the dunk that he did put in was crazy. Um. So let's talk about the team as a whole. 
What are your thoughts about this team? Uh, what you, what did you like? What did you not like? What would you like to see changed moving forward, if anything? Well, let me let me introduce you, TJ, to a term you may not be familiar with. The rest of our Q's fandom is going to be right cardiac Q's. Get to know it, get to love it. It does not matter what sport it's in. Syracuse, I was going to say Syracuse University Athletics, but we got to include Bayheim's Army to that. So Syracuse Athletics will just find a way to make games as stressful as humanly possible and just takes years off of your life. We'll see what's funny about that is the two games that you and I attended together, I got to see some of that. We got to see at North Carolina at Chapel Hill last year, um, we got to see them play and I think it was that we were down like 20. And they that was came a Cole back. Swider, like 34 they, point game. Yeah, Cole Swider at 34 points. Jo- no, Joe Girard had uh, Swider over 11, 30. Swider led in scoring. Girard hit he, the shot at the end. And then he hit the shot at the end, yeah. Um, and then when we, we when we came up here, we saw Pitt at the, at the Dome. And once again, Syracuse had no chance in that game. And then all of a sudden, it's a tie game. It comes down to the last shot, and and they miss it to uh, force overtime. So they didn't. They end up losing in regulation there. But yeah, I understand that completely. It is. It is every single sport. Uh, that is a tried and tested theory. Is that cardiac cues will have that effect on you? Um, I mean, think about the national championship for soccer. Went to right. Had, had to go to pens, right? <laughs> um, you get this idea. You asked me to to rate that first half out of 10. And I originally called it an 8, but then I realized how could we possibly be up 17 and halftime and have me leave that as an 8. So I bumped it up to a 9. The end of the game, right? So you get the bookends were just kind of bad objectively, right? You came out, got punched in the mouth early. Then all of a sudden, there's a lid on the basket in the Elam ending. And we just, we couldn't buy a bucket at that point. Um, so... I'm very, very excited. I love the fact that, you know, we blew them out. The team looked great for, what, 90% of that game. However, right, that start, I, I turned to you after we're down 11, and I'm like, yikes, right? The, the energy in that building, everybody who's been a Syracuse fan lifelong, like you had that one dark back of your head thought of like, there's no way, right? Thankfully, they responded, right? But then all of a sudden, that Elam ending comes around. Uh, Team Gibson starts going on that little run, and you have that little thought, right, just creeping in the back of your head, or you go, there's there's just no way. Like, it's not going to happen to us, right? Um, So that's the idea of cardiac cues. They got to make it a little bit stressful on you. I'm very, very happy they were able to gut out the win, right? They did did their job. They did what was expected. Um, Being the higher seed, we were supposed to come out and win that game. So I'm, I'm glad to see the team has a little bit of grit. That's that's probably the big word that I would come away with. Um, seeing guys, you know, I want to see some guys, especially in basketball. You got to talk a little smack. You got to get in the face of the opponent. Um, and I think they did that to a T. So I think this is a gritty team that when it comes down to it, they're, they're going to be ready to hoop and they're going to be ready to battle. Yeah, I agree. I think that this team is what made what stood out to me as opposed to Team Gibson which I would consider, you know, it's their first time in the TBT. So this is a perfect case study to kind of dis- kind of compare where Bayheim's Army stands. They were, Bayheim's Army is incredibly deep. They have a lot of guys that can give you problems. As opposed to um, Team Gibson, who they had five guys. They had more guys in double digits. They had five. 
but those were their five starters, and nobody else really contributed. So, Cuse is deep. And we disagreed yesterday, but I kind of want to, I'll bring it back up. Let's let's talk about that Elam ending. I would have loved to see them not go with their starters to start that Elam ending when you're up 32. I would have loved to see them go to some of the bench guys. Get, get Riller off the floor. Get Rakeem Christmas in the game. He's potentially... You know, that guy that can put in four straight baskets. So put him in the game. Take your starters out. And then you can, if that 16-point comeback happens, you can end up putting your starters back in fresh against a really tired starting five for Team Gibson. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't remember the exact group that they closed with. However, um I was very interested to see Coach Blackwell not sub at all during that Elam ending. Now, I'm not a professional basketball coach, so take that opinion as it sits. Um, However, you know, when this team starts creeping back and we are unable to get a bucket, they were getting good looks. um, But I was very, very interested to see that he stuck to his guns. He did not go to the bench at all during that Elam ending. Um, I'm of the opinion that it's it's a one-off tournament. You put your best five on the court. Um, these guys do not need any load management right now, right? <laughs> they should be ready to play. It's a one-off tournament for a, a decent chunk of change. You put your best five guys out there, you win the game, you get on to the next one. Um, so I wasn't necessarily too worried about the, the starters versus non-starters. I said, you know, I don't care what the score is. You put your best five on the floor, you let them close that thing out, and let's get on to the next one. Well, my thought was in bringing that up, we're not going to argue about this. We've just presented our cases. We want you to tell us who you agree with. There's going to be a poll on Spotify. There's going to be a poll on my Twitter. Uh, or excuse me, we can actually we can do some housekeeping right now. Oh, self we have we have a Twitter for this podcast. It is at forty four and a n d more and more is with two o's. You got that okay. Right. I know. I know I got that right. You can also follow me at TJ O'Sullivan underscore. I've been uh, I've been retweeted a lot by that account. Uh, spoiler alert, it is me retweeting just to make sure that there's a connection. Uh, but you can also follow DJ at DJ Keeper 00. And either way, we're both connected to that account. Get on it. We're going to try and and keep it as as alive as possible, as lively as possible. Is that the correct? Yeah, active, as active as possible. But that's the TBT. Game one, anyway. Game two occurs tomorrow on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time, live from the War Memorial. DJ and I are going to be there once again. If you want to watch the game... I would say look it up because it doesn't say it on the bracket. Things that uh, we love to see. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's at 8 p.m. I would assume it's on at least ESPN+. Plus. I believe it got picked up by the big boy ESPN yesterday. Uh, it was originally scheduled for ESPNU. Point is, you look for that four-letter acronym and you're going to find the game. Okay? So, 8 p.m. tomorrow, taking on the Nerd Team, which is a huge matchup. Because the nerd team in that exact same round, the second round of the tournament, 
knocked out Bayheim's army last year. So, DJ, final thoughts. What do you want to see tomorrow night from Bayheim's army? I want to see more of the same. Um, well, most of the same. Exactly. I would like to not be down 11 within the first couple minutes of the game. However, if we do find ourselves in that situation again, right, we're looking for grit. We're looking for determination. We're looking for good defense to lead to easy buckets on the other end. There's a lot of times you're playing these teams that can become disheveled. Uh, you know, we got the Ivy League guys coming in. You know they're probably going to shoot a lot of threes, right? So D up, be ready to put that ball down on the floor. Um, and good defense beats good offense most of the time. Something else I would really like to see is the Michael Jordan of the TBT tournament have a bigger impact on the scoring. He had he He didn't have the best game he didn't have the worst game but i would love to see deandre kane do what we're so accustomed to seeing deandre kane do be a nice compliment to andrew white the third and to rakeem christmas i would also like to see rakeem christmas starting at the five that is something i would very much like to see as much as i like jamil wilson and and um I for, oh man, I forget who the starter was. It was it was Jamil. I was correct. Jamil Wilson. As much as I like to see him at the five, he was the I believe the game or no, he was he was the second highest rebounder on our team. Dominated the glass and provided a spark on defense. As much as I like to see that, Raheem Christmas needs more minutes. He is unstoppable. Eleven points in fifteen minutes. Uh, that's my big thing. Um, but we'll see. We'll see tomorrow night. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, hope the boys show out once more. Um, I will. I'm, I'm gonna touch on one thing though. I'm gonna show a little love to DeAndre Kane because he didn't get it done on the on the score sheet, right? He wasn't putting uh, points up. However, you know, he had a handful of rebounds. He had a handful of assists, couple steals as well. So he he was there, and I still think he was making a decent impact. But I would also agree. I'd like to see him put some points down as well. Yeah. No, no disrespect to his performance that he had. I just want to see the DeAndre Kane of old. That's I would love to see. I would love to see DeAndre Kane show out in, in week two and avenge the loss to the nerd team from last year. But we're gonna get off on a tangent. We're at the 31 minute mark, just about. So we are gonna end this episode here. We said it was gonna be a football episode, but then Bayheim's army. So yeah, we'll follow. We'll follow the team that's in season right now. We we'll show football some love as soon as Bayheim's army's done, um, or depending on depending on what that game looks like, maybe we'll slide a couple minutes to football. Yeah, we've got time for football. I would definitely love to do a preview of the season coming up in less than forty days. But for now, we are talking TBT game two tomorrow in the War Memorial, live in Syracuse. We'll be there. Follow us on Twitter, as I said, at 44 and more, with two O's and more, at TJ O'Sullivan underscore, at DJ Keeper 00. We're all active. I'm going to be live tweeting the game tomorrow, as I did for game one. Follow us. Let us know what you want to hear about in the next episode. Let us know your thoughts. We will feature you on the show. But for now, I'm TJ O'Sullivan. 
That's DJ Moore. We will see you in episode three, hopefully on Thursday, celebrating another Bayheim's Army win. We'll see you next time.